Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia football podcast. I'm Stuart Steele, the sports editor at the Ren Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, the Ren Black Football Beat will look back on the previous week's game and preview the matchup for next week. In this episode, I'll speak to football beat writer Parth Patel about Georgia's 45-19 win against Mississippi State and preview the Georgia-Kentucky game with assistant sports editor John James. Welcome to the show, Parth. Thanks for having me, Stuart. So the first thing I want to talk about with the Mississippi State game is the offensive performance. I think it's it's fair to say it was a little bit uneven, particularly with the turnovers continuing to persist, but Georgia ends up putting up 45 points and winning comfortably. What did you see out of the offense in this game? Yeah, I mean, I thought the offense got comfortable, um, you know, after Stetson threw the two picks and, you know, they cruised to easy 45 points. I think the the one question mark is just Georgia. You know, they've been turning the ball over a lot, but it really hasn't been – hurting them mainly because the defense has been able to get stops but you know it's fair to question if you know these types of things will hurt them in the SEC championship game or later on but I think you know at times we've seen the offense be really good you know we saw it against Oregon South Carolina Tennessee and at times like you know last week we've seen them be not you know not great but they're still able to be good and and cruise to easy 45 points so I think it's just at a they're at a point on the offense where I think you know, they've got a lot of things clicking for them, and if they can just reduce the turnovers, they can really truly be, you know, like one of the best offenses, you know, firing on all cylinders going into the SEC championship game in the college, you know, football playoffs if they make it. Yeah, and then so in this offensive performance, there were one one really great individual performance from Lad McConkey, who was, who was really awesome in this game and has struggled at times this season. I think it's it's good to see a guy like that have a game where we know he's capable of these performances, but he hasn't really been putting them forward. Uh, what did you see from Ladd and also some of the other receivers in this game? It seemed like Stetson was able to spread the ball around. Yeah, I mean, I thought Ladd looked, he looked more loose, you know, just back to normal who he was. You know, he had a tough couple of weeks where he had a lot of drops and, you know, muff punts, but I think he looked loose. I, re- I, I really liked the getting him involved in the rushing game just because, you know, Kirby mentions his speed a lot and, you know, I think they just turned him loose and just let him, you know, get in the open field. So I thought that was a really good look for the offense. And then for the other pass catchers, I think Stetson did a really job of just spreading it around. You know, Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers both had five catches each and were truly dominant. They both had a touchdown each two, kind of to show how dominant that tight end room is. And then Kiaris Jackson also had a big game with kind of four catches and around 70 yards. So I think Stetson just was comfortable spreading the ball around and he found you know, he found his playmakers, and I think those names are really who he's going to be relying on down the stretch. Yeah, I think Kiaris in particular, it was good to see him have a game like this because he's one of the receivers that I think is really talented and has the ability to make these plays, but they don't always give him the opportunity. So it was nice. He had a really tough catch down the middle that he somehow held on to on a, I think it was a third and 10. It was a, it was a big catch. And then one down the sideline earlier too, where he, he made a leaping reception. So it was good to see Kiaris get involved. Um, because he and Stetson always have had really good chemistry. We saw it in the G-Day game. I think Kiaris had a really big game, and uh, there's been other times, too, where he's he's been solid, but he's not always the most consistent factor in the offense, but I think it's good to see Ladd and Kiaris in particular as, you know, two guys where in a scenario where maybe Brock and Darnell Washington aren't necessarily dominating, the offense could fall back on their secondary receivers. I think it's fair to say that I mean, we're probably pretty confident in that now. Yeah, and I think both those guys, Ladd and Karras, are kind of trending in the right directions in terms of kind of usage. You know, they both had pretty good games against Tennessee as well, and I think, 
you know, having those guys get more involved and, you know, with the hopeful eventual return of A.D. Mitchell, I think Georgia's got to feel good about their wide receiver room heading into, you know, some more meaningful games. And then defensively, I want to start with Jalen Carter, who I think had his one of his best games of the season. Obviously, the Tennessee game, he was also dominant, but he just looks like he's back to his usual self at this point and showing why he's so highly regarded as a, a prospect for the, the pro game as well. What did you see out of Jalen Carter and how important has his uh, reemergence or just being added back into the mix been for Georgia? Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Carter had probably one of the best, one of his best games, if not the best game of the season against Mississippi State. You know, he was disruptive. He was always in the backfield. He had relentless pressure on Rodgers, and it, you could just see his effect on Mississippi State's passing game. And I think Georgia's going to need that, you know, down the stretch just to help out their D line and kind of free up their other blitzers to, you know, get to the quarterback. Because he, you know, most teams he's going to eat up two linemen, and I think that really just helps. Georgia from a numbers perspective just get after the quarterback more and disguise their blitzes so I think you know it's good to see Jalen Carter you know being close to 100% if he's not already there and I think we're starting to see kind of just his true dominance in the game and why he's one of the best defensive tackles in the nation. Yeah I mean I think Jalen Carter's I mean his performance these last two weeks has been maybe one of the biggest developments for Georgia because the defense has been solid all season and I think the only thing that's been missing is that one player, that one guy that can really wreck a game. And I think two straight weeks, Jalen Carter has shown he's that person. And I think Georgia's going to need that uh, down the stretch um, in some of their later games, particularly once we get to the SEC championship game and on from there, maybe uh, if they make the playoff, he's going to be key against those better offenses. But I think it's just been huge for the defense to get him back in the mix. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about, you know, coming – coming down to the Tennessee game how the lack of a pass rush by the defense was a big issue and I think it's no coincidence that once Jalen Carter you know is back in the starting lineup Georgia's defensive line has two of its best games against Tennessee and Mississippi State and I think that shows that you know even when he's not putting sacks you know in the box score he still has a big impact on the game for Georgia and he truly just allows that defensive line unit to just get relentless pressure on offenses. Yeah, and then so zooming out on the defense as a whole in this game, what were your overall thoughts on their performance? And, uh, yeah, what did you think of how they played against Mississippi State? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, being on the road in that environment, I thought they played really well. There were, there were you know, a small amount of times where they kind of gave up the uh, explosive play, but for the most part they were really good in tackling and preventing those plays. I think uh, Munden Jr. had a really, you know, one of his better games of the season, and he was really – you could tell he was a standout in making open field tackles. And I think Malachi Starks followed up his game against Tennessee with another really good game um, against Mississippi State. And I think the, the biggest thing for this defense is, you know, going into that environment and, you know, knowing, you know, Mississippi State's offense and how many times you're going to throw the ball to the receivers. I think for them to be able to just make sound open field tackles just shows how they're kind of more, you know, connected as a unit. Because we saw some, you know, lapses against Kent State and other teams earlier on in the season. And I think right now the defense as a whole just seems more, you know, connected and just playing really well. Yeah, and I think the red zone defense was another big thing in this game where they were able to, uh, we talked about them as a bend but don't break unit maybe early in the season. I don't think at this point that's what Georgia is. I think they're one of the top units in college football. But being able to, you know, still have that mindset when teams get into the red zone I think is important because in modern football you're not going to, completely shut a team down very often and have no chances for them to score so I think holding Mississippi State to field goals um, the one time they allowed a touchdown was off 
I believe, a Stetson Bennett interception where they were put in bad field position. So I think it was another strong performance in general. Going back to the offense, the, the rushing attack wasn't at its best in this game, I would say, especially if you take out they had the big Lad McConkey touchdown, the 70-yarder, and then late in the game, Kendall Milton broke off a 34-yarder. So without those two plays, Georgia really didn't have much going in, in the rushing game, which weirdly also happened the last time they played Mississippi State. So I guess my question is just whether you have any concerns about the rushing attack moving forward or if this is just kind of a, a blip on the radar kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see the Georgia rushing attack as really concerning. I think, you know, it's just one of those games where, you know, the offensive line kind of had an inconsistent performance, and I think we kind of saw that with Stetson's interceptions and then with just Georgia's rushing attack. Really, You know, Kenny McIntosh, he was a primary rusher in this one, and he didn't really get much going, and neither did, you know, Milton had that late touchdown, and then McConkie had the big one. But I think, you know, I think something we are noticing is that, you know, when the running backs aren't, you know, getting it going on the ground game. I think Todd Munkin's thrown in that twist where it's it's usually Bowers that picks up a carry, but, you know, in this game it was McConkie. So I think I really wouldn't be concerned with their rushing game just because I think Georgia can use it in a very versatile way. I mean, you know, they could do it with Stetson, the running backs, or McConkie or Bowers. So I think, I think their versatility as a rushing offense will always just, you know, keep that part of the game uh, with them moving forward. Yeah, I mean, so I also agree. I think the rushing attack in general is going to be fine moving forward. I think Mississippi State really made a conscious effort to stop the run in this game, and I think they did a good job at it generally. But the one concern I do have about the backs um, is with fumbling. It seems to be becoming more of an issue, and they got away with one in this game. I mean, we could talk a little bit more about the officiating in general. It was not a great night for the refs, um, making some bad calls against both teams, I felt. Um, but the Dejon Edwards fumble where they called him um, his forward progress had stopped seemed like a quick whistle to me. And it's just concerning because Dejon obviously fumbled in the Tennessee game as well on the first possession. So I think I think just with the offense in general, the turnovers seem like a potential Achilles heel where if you play against an, o- an Ohio State or even an LSU in the SEC championship game or – TCU you could get punished for those turnovers and suddenly you're in a dogfight kind of game if you do it against a team with a little more talent than a Mississippi State or Missouri the other game where they really struggled with turnovers as well yeah I mean I think the turnovers are going to be something that Georgia's going to have to correct and I think for Dejon Edwards I think he's just going through kind of a tough um, you know two-week stretch where you know he's had fumbles he only got six carries in this game and he wasn't really effective so I think I think it's just growing pains with Dejon Edwards, and I think he's still going to be, you know, he's going to be, you know, featured in the offense just because he's one of Georgia's leading rushers this season. So I think, you know, I think with the ground game, I think we'll see it next week and just moving forward as Georgia closes out the regular season. I think Georgia's going to continue to try and find a rhythm in that ground game and just make sure, you know, their pass intact as well as the run, rushing attack is just firing on all cylinders before heading down to Atlanta to face LSU. Yeah, and so last thing with this game, I did want to just ask you about what you thought about the officials because I thought that was a big story in this game. Some really questionable calls. Early on, a lot of them were favoring Georgia, but there was a late roughing the kicker call against Georgia that seemed really questionable to me. What did you think about the officials overall? Yeah, I think the officiating was just kind of questionable all around. I think, you know, there were moments where it looked like it, you know, it was favoring Georgia and, you know, obviously as a Mississippi State fan, it was kind of frustrating because there were, there were moments in the game where before it became a blowout, it looked like Mississippi State, if they could just capitalize on one of Georgia's mistakes, 
could could make it a close game, but ultimately I think, you know, the refs are just part of the game, and even though it was some unquestionable calls against Georgia, I don't really think it would change the outcome of the game. Thanks for coming on the show, Park. Thanks for having me, Stu. Welcome to the show, John. I better be here, Stu. So, yeah, with Kentucky, obviously they're coming off one of the more surprising losses of the college football season. Uh, Vanderbilt getting a win over them, their first in a long time, I think three years maybe. Long time. Yeah, and obviously also, you know, Kentucky struggled the week before with Missouri, which Georgia did as well, but got blown out by Tennessee the week before that as well. So they're in something of a slump. I wanted to ask you what your feeling is on this Kentucky team generally right now and whether they can present a threat to Georgia in this game. Well, obviously Kentucky isn't at the best performance level right now, but I do believe a part of their recent play is kind of a factor of how they play football. I would liken them to the grit and grind Grizzlies who played at a slow pace and they hustled their hearts out but they weren't going to light you up offensively, and because of that, they might lose a game to the Kings every now and then, and it would be really out of the blue, but that's just because of how that's how they play the game. Kentucky plays the game slow. They're going to make you work on offense, and they're not going to light you up with their offense, and that's kind of how they play. I don't think they have much of a chance to win this game against Georgia, but I think they're going to make it tough on Georgia in, this, in maybe the same way that a Missouri made it tough on Georgia. So the weird thing about this Kentucky team for me is that last year's Kentucky team was already kind of that, and they were much more successful. And they were seen as maybe a top four SEC team last year. And we all thought, I think, this season would be kind of similar. So where do you think the disconnect has been from last year to this year for this program that seemed like it was – finding kind of its spot in the conference and now is kind of reassessing things. Honestly, I think it has to fall on Will Levis because he got injured and it fell off the rails and he came back and it never got back on the rails. And so I don't know what's going on there. I mean, what are your thoughts on Levis in general? I think we, I don't think very much of Will Levis as a quarterback. He gets a lot of pop as a potential top pick in next year's draft. Um, and I just don't see it from the guy beyond, like, physically he's imposing. I mean, what do you think of his game? Physically he's imposing, and that is that is the selling point. If he hits, his ceiling is super high because he has the physical traits to be a good quarterback. But it's the mental stuff, it's the intangible stuff, that he's just not putting it together. And that means he's not a very good quarterback right now because the ceiling might be super high, but the floor is very low. Yeah, and so Kentucky's best offensive player, I think, is Chris Rodriguez, the running back. Uh, do you think he's going to be able to hurt Georgia this week, or do you think the defense might kind of play the run pretty heavily and see if Levis can beat them? I think the defense should play the run really heavily and see if Levis can beat them. I think that'll probably end up being what happens, because Will Levis isn't really the type of quarterback that can beat Georgia. He's taken 34 sacks this season. That's second in the SEC. I think Georgia's defensive line is going to make it really tough on Kentucky's offense in this game. 
Yeah, and so kind of flipping the script to the Kentucky defense, I think that's kind of been what they hung their hat on for the early part of this season a little bit when the offense um, maybe started to struggle. The defense still wasn't playing poorly, but then Tennessee put up 44 on them. Vanderbilt putting up 24 on you is also kind of similar to that in, if you adjust for difficulty or degree of difficulty. Uh, do you think Georgia's offense rolls in this game? I don't think they roll in this game, but I think they score 30 points easily. Um, Kentucky's defense is interesting because it's kind of similar to Georgia in a way. They've got a really good passing defense based on yardage per game, but they don't get that many sacks. So it's either coverage or they're just getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback without actually finishing those plays. And the thing about Stetson Bennett is that if you don't finish a play against Stetson Bennett, he can hurt you. And I think that might happen against Kentucky on Saturday. Georgia struggled against Mississippi State with running the football. Do you think that struggle will continue this week at all? I don't think so. I think Kentucky's primary concern as a defense is the secondary. Um, They're a really, really good pass defense. And if A.D. Mitchell misses this game again in what's become an increasingly concerning streak of absences, Georgia's backup wide receivers are going to be in the game a lot. And I think that's going to be a matchup to watch. Kentucky's starting secondary versus backup wide receivers. So Georgia has another road trip this week to Kentucky. Obviously, they rose to that challenge against Mississippi State with the Cowbells and just the loud environment in general. Do you think that Kentucky's home field advantage could play any real factor in this game? If this was a basketball game, I'd be a lot more worried about Kentucky's home field advantage. But in football, which is not Kentucky's primary sport, and in a down season for Kentucky, I don't think the home field advantage is going to be much of a problem for Georgia. Yeah, I think I agree. The, the fans of Kentucky that I've talked to are generally passionate, but I think it's not the same as here at Georgia where obviously it's the top sport and everybody goes to the games and everything. Like you said, basketball more fills that role. And I think last season or if Kentucky was playing to that standard again, it could be more of a factor, but I don't really see them especially coming off that Vanderbilt loss. It's it's tough for me to envision the crowd really being out in full force to, to start this game. And I don't want to downplay Kentucky's fan base. When they're doing good, they're a passionate bunch. But it's a down year for Kentucky, and I think that's going to be the main, the main problem with rallying that fan base to show up for this game. So looking ahead to Saturday, Kentucky's offense isn't the most potent in the conference. What Georgia player on defense do you maybe see having a standout night? Well, we talked a bit about how Will Levis is the second most sacked quarterback in the SEC. What we didn't talk about is how Kentucky has the least yards per game in the SEC, and that's a major problem. I think one major reason for that is that Kentucky's passing offense isn't super good, and I think Keely Ringo is going to take advantage of that in a big way. On the other side of the football, there's been a lot of questions about how George is going to approach this game offensively. Who do you think? Who do you see having a big game on that side of the ball? I think, like you were talking about earlier, Kentucky's pass defense is really strong, but I think Georgia's running game gets right in this game, and I think that means I'm going to say Kenny McIntosh has a big game like he had against Florida. I think he's he's really shown his ability as a runner a lot of the time this season, and Dejon Edwards is obviously really good, but struggling with fumbles, I'm not sure he's going to be the the feature back this week. So I say Kenny McIntosh has maybe a nice 100-yard game with a touchdown or two. So last thing, what's your pick for this game, and can you give me a score? I think Kentucky is in a down year. They're getting into basketball season slowly but surely, 
and the Bulldogs come to town and they win 30 to 3. Yeah, I, I really like that score prediction. I think Kentucky's offense is going to really struggle in this game. And I think the defense might hold it together for the early part of the game. But if they continue to not score and really pose a threat to Georgia, I think the Bulldog offense will eventually find itself. I got Georgia 34, Kentucky 7. Thanks for coming on the show, John. Happy to be here, Stu. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Stuart Steele. You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on redandblack.com. For even more Georgia football coverage, visit redandblack.com slash gameday. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.